Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week 8 of our current series, Frequency. The title of today's message is, We Can't Do More With Less. We hope you enjoyed the word. Well, good morning. Hi, somebody a high five welcome and tell them i'm glad you are up you are well i know you guys all got an extra hour to sleep but listen here's you how many of you know every day is a good day right every day's a good day right every day is a blessed day right let me tell you how good god is he gave us daylight savings times which means i get an extra hour to teach Okay, about three of you. All right, that was a lot funnier in my head. Never mind. Let's, let's move on. No, it's, it's great to have you all here. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is a pleasure to be here with you today. I want to just simply just point you back to the word. Look, my job is not to give you my opinion. I just want you to hear what God has to say. And I believe that every time we actually incline our hearts and our ears to listen to the truth that God's word conveys, that something special happens. And so today we're wrapping up a series um, that has been covering just that. We've been on a series called Frequency. And what we've been talking about is how do you tune into God's voice? How do you actually hear what God has to say? So there's a lot that we've covered in this series. I want to encourage you, all the tools that we've provided for you. You can go on Facebook. You can go on social media. You can check out our podcast. You can go to SoundCloud, go to the website. There's many ways for you to check that out. But today, as we wrap up this series, I want to talk to you about something uh, that God placed on my heart many, many, many weeks ago. And uh, it's just a perfect way to just wrap this series up. And it's really about, it's vital to listening and following God's plan for your life. And I want to start off simply with this statement that summarizes what we're going to be talking about today. It's simply this, we can't do more with less. I want you to say that with me. Repeat that with me. Let's read that together. We can't do more with less. We can't do more with less. Have you ever tried your hand at that in life? Doing more with less? Come on now. Preach back to me. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Let, Let me give you some examples. Have you ever tried to accomplish more with less money? You know what that's called? Credit. Right. You ever do that, right? How about this? You ever work more to earn more with less than adequate rest? Right? You know what that's called? Working to the bone, right? Uh, they made a whole song about that back in the 80s, right? Have you ever attempted, now listen, I don't want you to tell on yourself or tell anyone because this is pretty embarrassing, but have you ever tried, have you ever made the attempt to drive your car just a little bit further, right? <laughs> And the gauge, the fuel gauge is on here. You go, no, I can make it. Just another 50 miles, I can do it. And then you're that person who's sitting on the edge of the road upset because AAA or the tow is talking about it's going to take them three hours to come. When you could have just stopped for 15 little minutes to get some gas. Look, if you've ever had any of these experiences based on these examples or even others like them, I think we can all agree that it's foolish to try to do more, achieve more, and seek more in life with less in the tank. And the same is true about this relationship and this walk with God and life in general. You can't attempt to do more, to accomplish more, to be more, to reach to greater places with the promises of God while living on less. 
less than his wisdom, less than the truth that his word reveals, less awareness of his presence. The truth is this, that just like any other example, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it's a sad affair for the person who expects more from God, more understanding from God, more intervention from God, more revelation from God, more uh, of his promises working in our life, while investing little to no time to hear and know God. It just doesn't work. I want you to consider Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. And it says, do not be deceived. Now get this. The word of God, the Bible, the scriptures are not given to us uh, just, you know, in a blasé form. God doesn't just speak for no reason. So what I want you to begin to see is that what God is saying here is important and it's vital to us. The reason why the word of God says do not be deceived is because we do deceive ourselves. We do believe that we can do more with less. We do believe somehow that uh, what people tell us or what we've experienced, that somehow we've got it. We know it. You ever been in this situation when you go, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then you go, man, I wish I knew that. All right? Trying to do more with less. And so God is purposeful. And he says, do not be deceived. But watch what he's talking about. He says, God cannot be mocked. That just simply means this. We cannot circumvent the way God created things. So there are spiritual laws, but there's also natural laws that have a very spiritual uh, basis to them. And watch what he's talking about. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, that just simply means this. Whoever follows after their own desires... Whoever uh, uh, follows uh, what they want, whoever seeks to uh, put themselves as the top priority in life, above God. He says, so whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. So if that's what you sow, that's what you reap. He says, but whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. I have a question for you. Which one do you want? Which one do you want? Which one do you want? I mean, think about that. We got to be we got to be honest with ourselves because these lives that we live are very temporal. And they're full of challenges. And it's full of stuff that we just don't want. So if you really want to know where you've been sowing, then you just got to look at the fruit that you've been producing. You got to consider where you are emotionally, spiritually, and in your understanding and your relationship with God. Are you flourishing? Are God's promises working? Are you, are you hearing the voice of God? If you're not, all these things indicate just one thing. You've been sowing in the wrong ground. You've been sowing to the wrong thing. And so consider this point, that what you sow and who you sow to is what you will reap and who you will reap from. What you sow... And who you sow to is what you, you will reap and who you will reap from. So who's the culprit when it goes wrong? Don't answer that. Answer that for yourself. Who's the culprit? It's not God. It's not the devil. It's not, it's not people. It's not circumstances. It's not the system. It's not uh, the, uh, what people are doing around you. It's you and I. And so, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, I'm reading from the Message Bible. It says, sow righteousness, reap love. This is God speaking to his people. 
listen closely, it's time to till the ready earth. It's time to dig in with God until he arrives with righteousness ripe for harvest. And so in Hosea, God is addressing his people through this prophet named Hosea, right? And basically what he's doing is he's addressing their stubbornness. He's addressing their hard-headedness. He's, he's teaching them some things. He's saying, you're doing this all wrong. And so God says to them, sow what is right. And watch this. Reap from God's love. Reap God. Discover what God has for you. How, how many of you would agree that sounds pretty good? Man, if I just do what's right, if I just do what God has already decreed, if I just follow that path, this will all work out. But notice what it takes to get there. Notice that sowing requires taking advantage of one singular and most important thing. Time. Time. Let me read it to you. He says, it's time to till. He's talking about your heart. It's time to dig in with God. So God says, sow righteousness. Sow what I've done for you. Sow who I've called you to be. Sow the resources that I've placed. Sow uh, your, your acknowledgement to my ways. Follow all these things. He says, sow that. And what you'll reap is from my nature, my love. But he says, so it's time to till your ready hearts. It's time to dig in with God. See, what you do with the time you have matters. You've been around any length of time. I'm I'm sure I've shared this at some point, but if I want you to envision, put on your imaginary cap and envision that every day before you leave your house, someone has already showed up at your bank and they deposit a bag full of pennies, 86,400 pennies every single day. And here's the deal. You got, a, you got a paper that says, every day I'm going to deposit 86,400 pennies. Doesn't sound like much, but when you do the math, that's $864 a day. See, now some of you are starting to smile. You're starting to think, oh, what could I do? But here's the catch to that deposit. You have to use it for the end of the day or you lose it. And so that's where we kick into high gear. Okay, well, I can buy this and I can do that and I can bless this person. I hope that's your heart, right? I can, I can accomplish all these other things. But if you knew how valuable your time was, and specifically how valuable time spent with God is, you would do more to invest it. You know why? Because every single day, you and I get 86,400 seconds. Everybody has the same account with time. The question is, what are we investing it with? What are we investing into it? How are we using it? And so you can't afford to fool yourself by expecting more from God while devoting less time to him, while devoting less attention, less affection, less, less a desire to seek him. And so I think it's wise for us to look to the example of Jesus. You'll see what I mean in a second. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 38. And it says that very early in the morning, still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a place where he prayed. And speaking of Peter and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained, everyone is looking for you. In other words, what are we here? We're all looking for you over there. And Jesus replied in verse 38, let us go somewhere else. 
to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preached synagogues, and driving out demons. I want you to notice something. If you look at the scriptures, just like in these verses that we read, every time Jesus did something amazing, here's what preceded it. Time with the Father. Prayer and listening. Let me prove it to you. Have you ever asked yourself why Jesus prayed? I mean, come on. Think about this. This is Jesus. This is God in the form of a man. God Almighty in his fullness walking amongst men. Why would Jesus have to pray? Why would Jesus have to go to the Father? Is it possible that Jesus needed to pray in order to hear from God? Did Jesus need undistracted moments in which to hear God and receive understanding and instruction and revelation for what God had commissioned him to? Let's see what he had to say about it. John chapter verses 19 and 20, Jesus explains this. He says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. And so here's what happens. Jesus shows up and there's this man who's been lame all his life. And he's relegated. He's restricted himself. He's settled for a mat. He's sitting on a mat all these years, and he's just sitting there waiting that someday he'll be healed. And great things are happening all around him, but he's sitting on a mat. And when Jesus shows up, he says to him, do you want to be healed? And the guy goes, sure. And so then he, I'll condense the story for you, Jesus heals him. And so all these people are amazed, they're surprised. And Jesus points us to the source of this great miracle. He says, I didn't do this by myself. What I've done and everything that I do comes out of my personal relationship with the Father. Now, why is that important? Why is that important? Because this is not exclusive to Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says that as he is, so are you in this world. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. There is greatness at work in you. The Bible says that God does exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond all that you ask or imagine according to the work in you. So there's something at work in you and I that's looking to be released. There's greatness. There's more that God wants to do. But oftentimes what we do is we draw upon less. We walk around in life like an empty fuel tank expecting to somehow charge our lives and experience what God promised. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15. In verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying it's necessary that you and I are in sync with him. But watch why. Verses 9 and 10, he says, I have loved you as the Father has loved me. In other words, I can only give you what I've received from the Father. 
And Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. So in other words, relationship with Christ is direct union with the Father. In other words, you're gleaning, you're drawing. And so he says, I've loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Stay here. Do not doubt my love for you. If you keep my commandments and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And so what I want you to see is that you and I are working with the same resources that Jesus had. You have the same resources that Jesus had. Come on. That's good, preacher. That blessed me. Listen, while I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me too. I got to acknowledge the word of God sometimes. eh? But anyway, listen, here's the point. You are working with the same resources that Jesus had because you are united to him. You're united to the Father. Jesus remained in continuous relationship with God the Father. And the difference between his life and his and that of many today is simply this. Jesus made relationship with God his top priority. He made time with the Father his top priority. Hearing from God was a necessity to him. Question, is it a necessity to you? I know it just got real, right? It's about time to go, right? I'm hungry. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But the truth is that we need to consider where we're drawing from. Because everybody wants more. But too many people do it with less and less. And you know, you know what the mark is of doing more with less? You end up frustrated. You become weary. You tire out. You're grinding. Oh, you're getting the results, but you're just not enjoying them. You're, you're, you're getting the increase, but it's not yours to enjoy. And so we, we do more, and what we really do is live with less. Because you can only live from what you have. You can't live with the appearance of more, right? And so the Bible talks about this guy named Peter who tapped into something more. This guy had more. Let's turn real quick to Acts chapters 1 and 12. Starting at verse 1, it says that one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So get this. They're going to church. They're going to church like you and me. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. And where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement what had happened to him. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished. And they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why are you so shocked? 
Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? And so watch this. Peter shows up and he's going to he's going to church. He doesn't even have an offering. In the eyes of all, he had nothing. Nothing of value. And Peter shows up, and when he's walking in, as he's walking in, he sees this guy laying down, and the guy's looking at him, and he says, hey, could you help brother out? He sees Peter walking by him, and he goes, I got him. Got him. Can you help a brother out? Bible says that Peter and John stared at him intently. In other words, they fixed their complete attention upon him. And Peter says, I don't have silver and I don't have gold, but I'm going to give you what I do have. And he says to me, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And watch this. This guy had never walked in his life. This guy did not know how to stand. This guy did not know how to walk. This guy did not how he was unfamiliar completely with any use of his lower limbs. And the Bible says he believes, he hears what Peter says, and he gets up and he doesn't walk. He's able to do more than just walk. The guy begins to jump around. He begins to praise God. And so here's this guy who's never jumped, never walked, never done any of this. And he, all of a sudden, he's got all this strength. And he knows to do something he's never been able to do. Do you know why? Because he had an encounter with someone who was full of the power of God, who drew upon more, who did not settle for less and did not attempt to, to walk with God with less. Peter invested his time into a relationship with God. You might say, where'd you get that from? But I want you to see something. So the Bible says that this guy, Peter, says to the people, why are you so surprised? As if I did this, learn something valuable here. Learn something valuable here. Peter understood the source of everything that he did in life. He says, I didn't do it. I just gave the opportunity for God to do it by just devoting time to him. And so the Bible says that these people are astonished and Peter begins to talk to them about Christ. And he begins to tell them that they, that the same Jesus that they had crucified is the one that rose again. And who did this? Listen to verses 17 through 23. He says, now fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that the Messiah would suffer. I want you to notice something that Peter begins to reference what he knows. Peter begins to reference what he's gleaned from relationship with God. He begins to pull from the reserve of this gospel, of this truth, of its power. And so he says, repent. He says, turn around. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. He says, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. 
Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. So what are we seeing here? What, what are we witnessing here? Peter was a man just like you and me. If you look at his life, Peter's life was full of mistakes. Peter was quick to rush to decisions and judgment. Peter spoke first and listened later. Peter acted first and then regretted it later. And he often trusted his emotions over truth. But get this. He did all this while he was with Jesus. While walking with Christ, this is who Peter was. Always sticking his foot in his mouth. Always dropping the ball. Always speaking ahead out of turn. Always getting ahead of himself. And so yet, Peter came to know and have a personal relationship with Jesus. Something more was operating in his life. And we've had, we have to question, how did that happen? So what we see here from this encounter is that Peter seemingly had nothing. But if we listen to verses 17 through 23 and we look at this encounter, what you see is that this same Peter, who was a big mouth, a bucket mouth, dropped the ball, made mistakes, quick to judgment, quick to deny Jesus, all these things, this same Peter became familiar so much with God and his word that when he was faced with a moment with a lame man, he spoke from the reserve, a wellspring of a relationship with God. And it changed someone's life. Do you know that the change that you seek comes out of a personal relationship with God? What if we could live like Peter and say, I've got nothing to make this happen, but God, I've got your word. God, I've got your presence. God, I've got your, I've got your wisdom. God, I have your precious Holy Spirit that speaks to me and leads me and teaches me and comforts me. See, now for some of us, we might not be getting this, but let me tell you why. Because we prefer an empty can. We've got to be real with ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. I know it just got real, right? Real, like really real. It, trust me, I'm speaking to me too. Daily, we have the same account of time. The question is, how are you investing that? Because the thing is, you can't get it back. You can't get it back. And so if you're wasting your time pursuing your own desires, your own agendas, your own ideas. If that's what we're doing, just understand this, that that time is wasted, not just because we invested it wrong, but it's not going to reap anything. The Bible says it'll give us destruction. Why not sow to reap something better? Why not invest your life into a place where you can hear God and grow an understanding with God and see all that God has for you? See, Peter didn't just re rely on what happened in the temple. Hear what I'm saying? Peter went to church every day, according to scripture there. He showed up to the temple daily. But here's the thing. Peter didn't just gain something when he was there. Peter was constantly drawing from it. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I cannot exist and expect more with just Sunday. can't can't oh i go to church i believe in god i go to church oh i go i believe in god i pray that just means you just tell god your laundry list god this is what i need god this is what i want god this is help me with this god make a way for me for this have you ever considered that god is also listening and wanting 
Hey, God, God is also listening, but God's also wanting to speak to you. We got to make time for that. We got to make space for that. And so for the next couple of moments that I have, I want to simply talk to you about going from less to more. And the very first thing I want to encourage you with is to simply try it. Try it. What do you mean by that? Try, but try your hand, try your life at building relationship with God, at making time for him. A couple of weeks back, <laughs> actually a while back, my niece contacted me and she says, Dio. And I was like, hey, Marissa. She, I said, she goes, you know, I love you, right? What do you want? What do you want? She goes, no, seriously, you know, I love you, you know, but um, we have this trip scheduled to Mexico and, and you know, I had somebody who was going to take care of the boys, but now I said, just send them. I want them. Send them. We haven't seen them in a while. So uh, our nephews, Jaden and Jace, come up. Jaden's 12. Jace is six, I think. And uh, when she comes, she gives, she gives us this laundry list of how to care for Jace. Now, you got to understand, Jace has been told by people that he is special needs, right? And so I said, okay, well, give me the list. And then I folded it up and put it in my pocket, right? He's, he's very sensitive to noise, and he only eats chicken nuggets and french fries from this place, and he, he won't eat this, and he won't eat that, and every morning he's not going to eat breakfast, so just give him a Pediasure, and, and you know, he, he won't drink juice, and, and he, he doesn't play well with these kids, and he doesn't get involved in that, and you got to make sure you give him his iPad, because it's the one thing that calms him down. So... In my mind, it's okay, but that, that's your experience. I'm going to love this. We're going to love this kid, and we're just going to encourage him to try some different things. And so that was Thursday night. He had already eaten dinner, right? So Friday morning, right, uh, we took the day off because we had some errands to do for the church, and we, we you know, wanted to spend some time with the boys. And so we're at the house, and he's sitting at the table, and breakfast is served. Jaden is digging in. We went through this same deal with Jaden when he was a little kid. And so Jace sits there and he's got a plate full of eggs and waffles and I believe there was some sausage or something or, or maybe there wasn't that day. But whatever the case is, he looks at it and he goes, I don't like it. And me and my wife look at each other and we go, well, how would you know if you like it? Did you try it? He says, I don't like it. But he didn't even put it in his mouth. And so I said, well, Jace, you're going to try it. So here come the tears. Right here comes the, here comes the crocodile eyes. Right, the crocodile tears, and the crying. And I said, Jace, you're gonna try it. He says, No, I'm not. I said, Jace, you'll sit here all day long, unless you try it. And he said, and I wasn't being mean, but you know, sometimes you gotta encourage people to step outside of what they believe. Hello, that makes sense, right? That applies to us. And so I said, he says, How long is that? I said, Well. You can sit there, and if we'll go to sleep, and when we come back in the morning, you'll try it. Two and a half hours, actually two hours and 18 minutes, he sat there. I don't want it. Okay, that's fine. I'll leave you there. I can't go outside with Jaden. Nope. You're going to try it. I can't watch sleep. Nope. You're gonna try. I want my iPad. You're going to try it. Let me show you two, eight, two hours and 18 minutes later what, what happened. Check this out. Look at you. It's good. It's good, right? Good job. Take a little sip of juice. 
It's great for you. It tastes good. You did such a good job. I am so proud of you. Give me a high five. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You want to try that one? Go for a little bit more egg because you like it. Listen closely. Listen, he said, I'm not disappointed anymore. You got to understand, it was like the world was coming to an end. Listen, by the time this kid left a week later, he was eating rice, he was eating beans, he was eating chicken, he was eating sausage, he was eating meat, he was drinking orange juice, he was running around, he was playing with kids, he was doing all these things. And you know what he kept saying throughout the week? It's okay to try new things. It's okay to try new things. Let me tell you something. I know that dedicated time and study of God's word, prayer, reflection, even meditating and considering the truth in God's word is something different and something new for some of us. But you'd be surprised what's possible when you just simply try it. When you just simply try it. Many of us, we... we, we we cut ourselves off at the knees before we even take a step of faith because we say, well, I don't know what they know and I don't, I, I don't look like them or I don't, I don't feel like them or I don't fit like them. Who told you that lie? Because did God didn't say that. Listen, in Psalm 42 verses 5 through 8, David says this, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? So get this, he's going through a moment of torment and affliction. This guy is in inner... He's, he's going through all this stuff internally. He says, but why, my soul, are you downcast? He's talking about his mind. He says, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. In these verses, we see that the psalmist is disturbed. He's downcast. This guy's depressed. And then he talks to himself and he reminds himself. He says, turn to God. Turn your attention away from this. Turn your attention away from these troubles and this turmoil. He turns to God and, and watch what happens. He teaches us something about time with God. He equates time with God to being under a waterfall. Not just walking under waterfall, but the water is actually bringing him deep into the water. And he says, as deep calls out to deep. Listen closely. Time with God will take you deeper and reveal deeper things to you. But you got to make that time. You got to make that decision. You got to try it. You got to try it. If you ever walk under a waterfall, here's what I can guarantee you. No matter what's going on out there, it will drown out all that noise. You and I need to hear the voice of God continually. You and I need to understand where God is taking us. But we got to try it. You got to try it, all right? Is that all right? Everybody say this with me. It's okay. It's okay. To try new things. Try new things.
I, I pray you believe that. Amen. Let me give you just a couple of more little steps and we're out of here. Just real quick, lead your life with praise. What are you talking about? Listen to Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8. It says, I will extol. That just simply means I will worship. I'll praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, he's referring to himself, and the Lord heard him. And he saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Now you got you to understand something about this psalm. This psalm is recorded during a time in David's life where he was surrounded by his enemies, the Philistines. He's being chased by his own people, and he's amongst the very people that he had conquered at one point as king. And the king of the Philistines at that time is a guy named Abimelech. And David finds himself founded and distressed. Those that love him hate him, and those that hate him are ready to kill him. And in the midst of this, we hear the heart of David. We see what David does. Listen, in the moment of affliction and turmoil, many of us, what we will do is we will complain. We will reflect upon how bad our situation is. We'll find ourselves in distress and depressed and busted and disgusted and rusted and whatever other stuff you want to call. We'll go through all that. But David chooses to do something different. David says, I still yet have a reason to praise God. I still yet have a reason to worship God. Now, let me just say something to you about that. Praise is not when you walk in here and we sing songs. Praise is not the act of raising your hands. Praise is not the act of acting like a Christian or faking it till you make it. You know what praise is? Praise is you and I redirecting our belief and our heart. See, when you believe in God, now hear clearly what I'm saying. When you truly believe in God, and you truly trust what his word says, no matter what you're facing, it will lift you higher. And this is why I say to you, lead your life with praise. There's always something to praise God about. The Bible says, focus on these things, whatever's good, whatever's lovely, whatever's above reproach. If there's anything that's praiseworthy and a virtue, think on these things. You want to go higher? You got to think higher. You want to go higher? You got to look higher. You want to go higher? You got to seek God. And so daily, make it your practice to accept the invitation that David says in the midst of trouble. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what I love about those words there? That in the original Hebrew, David is saying this. Come discover for yourself. Come perceive it as if you were coming face to face and know God and know his goodness. God's inviting you and I to taste and see. But it takes us making the decision to raise our vision higher, to believe in greater things. In Romans 15, 4, it says, For everything that was written 
in the past was written to teach us. Listen closely to the purpose of God's word to you and I. Listen closely to what God is hoping to accomplish by speaking to you. He says, for everything that is written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Now, I want you to see something that God's word has been given to you and I to instruct us. To instruct us. It's not to massage our feelings. It's not to, you know, just kind of just, I bendito, I know what you're going through. Don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. It's okay. Oh, goody goo goo. Listen closely to what God says about his word. He says everything written in it is for your instruction, to teach you. And watch what this teaching does. It teaches us to endure as others did in the scriptures. And it encourages us, but how powerful time with God is and time with his word is. It says that, they, they, that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, Watch this. We might have hope. You know what hope is? Hope is that which is ahead of us. But watch how powerful God's word is and time in God's word is. It goes into our past and it takes us from our present and it pulls us to a place in our future where faith begins to work and we begin to see beyond our circumstances. There is only one thing that provides hope for all men. There's one remedy to the needs and the hope that all mankind needs. It's what his word instructs us. And so... If you're going to spend time with God, seek instruction. Many times when we want us to just vomit, God, this is what I'm going through. There's nothing wrong with that. Talk to God about your cares because he cares. But also take time to listen and glean instruction because that time spent with him and his word will produce much. It'll give you hope and it'll make that hope a reality. And the last point that I want to leave you here with as we stand is this. That if you want to go from to more, you have to stay on a continual path of growth. Listen closely to what I'm saying as we close here. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, Peter says this. He says, like newborn babies, you should long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may be nurtured and grow in respect to salvation, the ultimate fulfillment. If in fact you have already tasted goodness and gracious kindness of the Lord. Watch what Peter's saying here by inspiration of God. He says, look, newborn babies, they crave the real thing. They don't crave anything diluted. They crave pure milk. Why? Because that and that are the very thing that can nurture them and can cause them to grow. You and I have to make a daily commitment to seek after that which is 
pure and true and good and right according to God's word. And to, to do that, you have to make a commitment to stay on a path that God, you said you've called me to mature, you've called me to grow, you've called me to be the head and not the tail, you've called me to be above and never beneath and you have great purposes for my life. God, I'm not stepping back, I'm not giving up, I'm not looking back, I'm not setting back. God, I trust you and so I'm looking forward and I'm committed to growing. But to do that, it takes a commitment for pure milk. Pure milk. Pure milk. Listen, I leave you with these words. God destined you to grow. God wants you to mature. God has great things for your life. But you can't do more and grow more and hear God more with less. You have to make a decision to invest wisely your life and time. Now, for some of us, here's what we hear when I say that. Oh, my God, I got to start taking two, three hours a day. I got to take five hours a day. Listen, if that works for you, that's fine. But you know, when you're doing more, when you're going beyond less to more, it's not about the quantity of time as much as it is about the quality that you place upon who God is at that moment. You know what quality is? This is all I'm devoted to at this time in my life. I don't have time for a phone call. I don't have time for social media. I don't have time for, the, for, for, for Facebook requests. I don't have time for such and such a person's story on Instagram. I don't have time for what the internet is showing me. I don't have time for my music right now. All I want right now is to take this time to just focus on God and know God and learn something about God and learn something about what he's teaching me. When you do that, you will reap a harvest. You'll reap what the Bible says, eternal life. Eternal life doesn't start the moment you die. Eternal life starts the day you say, yes, God. You can live the best life, your best life right now, because that's what God has for you. But don't do it with an empty can. It takes more. Father, today, we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the truth revealed in your word today. You've gone deep, Lord. You've washed over us. There's a roar of truth that speaks directly to our hearts. And right here, right now, you and I, we reconcile. We need to reconcile where we are. And we need to respond to God. And listen, if the shoe fits today, don't wear it. Just make a change. Change it. Put on another, another pair of shoes. It's time to dig in with God. It's time to invest into the kingdom of God. It's time to push everything else aside and devote quality. Quality time to God. Yes. Because when you do, you'll reap a harvest that, that transcends into every part of your life. And like Peter, it'll also bless others. Father, today, we turn to you. We heed your call. And we declare... If you believe that, say this with me. God, my time is your time. And I'm sowing it into you. If you believe that, come on, give it up for God. 
Come on, you're making a declaration. Now, it's very possible that there's somebody here today realizing, man, the reason why I've been getting all these bad results is because I've been sowing the wrong thing to the wrong thing. And I've been reaping from the wrong place. But today you recognize the need for God. If that's you, then here's the very first thing you need to understand. That God so loved you that he invested his very best for you, for the entire world. How did he do that? He saw our sin nature. He saw that we were lost and that we were stuck and that we were on our way to destruction. And he said, that's not what I want for them. And so because they can't pay the price to satisfy my judgment, I only see one way. I'm going to become like them and pay the price for them. I'm going to absolve them of the guilt and the shame and the destruction that's ahead of them. I'm going to do it for them. If you believe that today and you say, that's it, God paid it, do is accept that. I got to, all I got to do is take that, that invoice that says paid and believe in that and begin to walk with God. Yes, if you believe that, I want to invite you to pray this prayer as we close. Say this with us. Those of you online and those of you here, if this is where you are, say, Jesus, I believe. You love me. And you paid the price for me. I believe that from this day forward, I'm your child. And you're my father. Because today... I declare you're my Lord, you're my Savior, and you're my God. And from this point forward, I invest my time, I invest my attention, and I invest my life into a relationship with you. If you believe that and you receive that, we celebrate what God is doing in the lives of people. Don't leave here without telling somebody the investment you've made. Now, Father, we thank you for all Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we walk with full tanks and we devote our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.